This scripture is from the Gospel of Luke. It's the 19th chapter, begins with the 29th verse, and you'll see in the middle of it there is a place for you to join me in the reading. So now you really got to pay attention. When Jesus had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find there, tied there, a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus. And after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the ground, on the road. And as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. And they said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would shout out. As he came near and saw the city, Jerusalem, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace. Here ends the reading. In the history of human beings, I think that the movement away from being so connected to our family groups, so connected to our culture, so held back by those things, those rules and those mores and those, the things that we, that we were supposed to do and supposed to be, the move away from that was probably a good development in human history. Because, you know, across time and still in some ways, if you were born into a particular family, you you never broke out of that mold. If you were a farmer, you were destined to be a farmer. If you were a miller, you were destined to be a miller. If you were in a royal family, you were destined to continue to be royalty. If you ran a business, you were destined to do that. There was And if you broke out of that mold, there was often much shame and guilt associated with that, that you weren't following the path that was supposed to be laid out for you. And in some sense, that was God-ordained because you were born into that family and in that time. I mean, and to this day, we see there's still caste systems around the world that are very strict, that if you're born in a low caste, you can, very difficult to break out of that. But in human history, as people, as things changed, we, we moved a bit away from that. And especially in the American experience, we became to believe in the independent person, in the person who can make their own way. We, we, just, we really have lifted up and almost worshipped those people who were trailblazers, those people who, who set themselves apart from the pack and who seemingly went out on their own to do their own thing. And so we have lifted up this story that isn't necessarily true, that you can just do things all on your own, that the individual is the most important thing. And in our current time, 
I think that one of the biggest lies that comes in our minds goes along with this. The lie is that we are alone, that we are singular, that there is no one there to help us or comfort us, there is no one there to challenge us and encourage us that there is no one there for us, that we, we must make it on our own at all costs. And I believe that in this hyper-connected world, as we see it, we see much more loneliness and much more anxiety and people feeling much more isolated, even as we're able to connect in these amazing ways with each other. In our minds, we still have this feeling that we are alone, we are singular, we don't have any help. And I think it's the big lie of our age. I don't think it's ever been true. We are all products of a community. We are all products of a family. We are all products of all kinds of groups that we are a part of, for better or for worse. Whether those are helpful or whether those hinder us, we are an amalgamation of all of our experiences and the ways that we live out our lives in relationship with other people. And what I love about the Christian faith is something that often gets forgotten, I think. In a time when, when well, in a cross time, when, when people have looked to religion or to faith for something, they're looking for, for certainty, for surety. The Christian faith became for a long time very much a place where if you just, if you just believe the, the, the Apostles' Creed and pray the Lord's Prayer and do these things and those things, then, then you were safe and it was good and you were a believer. It was very much about the individual and God, me and Jesus. And as long as I get right with God, then I'm all right. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Because Jesus did not leave behind a theology book. He did not leave behind a systematic theology that gets taught in our seminaries or taught in our classrooms. He did not leave behind any writings whatsoever. What did he leave behind? A community. Disciples. Followers. I mean, we hear, we get the much vaunted 12, right? But we know, we know that there were more, not just men, but men and women and families who who were so hungry for this message that he was bringing about God that they, they followed him and they, and they began to live together in a very different way. Or at least they lived out many of the precepts that had come, that Jesus had brought forward out of the Jewish faith. Again, many of the things that Jesus taught were not new. They were not new. They were embedded in the faith that he had grown up with. He, he just brought them forward in a new way and challenged the, sort of some of the calcified ways that some of the people within the Jewish faith were bringing them forward. He challenged them to, to come into a new time and a new realm where, where the community and how we were living out being the community became much more important than the rituals and the rules of faith. And again, we're not castigating any of the, the history of the Hebrews. 
We know that as Christians throughout time too, we've gone through phases, if you look at the movements, you know, where we've gotten really rigid on the whole or where we've gotten very loosey-goosey, we might say, you know, where we've had these spiritual revivals where we see this. And now we see over 3,000 denominations of Protestants. All kinds of little communities doing it differently. But so importantly, doing it in community. Doing it together. The book, The Gifts of the Darkwood, calls this gift the gifts of misfits. Meaning that oftentimes, I don't know about you, that, that I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I don't quite fit into this group or that group or, or the other group, but... But I'm, but I'm seeking something beyond myself. I'm, I'm sensing something that's larger and greater than I am. And when I come across other people who are also having that kind of experience, it, it is, it's like meeting a long lost sister or brother because you begin to get into those conversations and you, and you just start talking about how there's more to this life than what we're being told. There's more to this life than what we're being given. And that's what was happening on that day as people were laying their cloaks out on the road. Side note, in Luke, there are no palms. Did you notice? They were taking off their outer cloaks and laying them on the ground. So my son the religious scholar, says we ought to call it Cloak Sunday, not Palm Sunday. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. But those people are following Jesus as as part of a community looking and wanting for something to change, something different, a different way of being in the world together. They were sensing something that Jesus was talking about and bringing that was calling them together in new and different ways. And what's amazing about this group, especially that initial group that's following Jesus, these disciples, is they were really a bunch of misfits in a sense. Because they came, maybe not from different backgrounds per se, but from different understandings and perspectives. Just for example, one of them was a zealot who very much was against the Roman occupation, who zealots often did um, not so great things in terms of they, they liked to, you know, try to take out some of the Roman occupation folks. They, they staged coups and they, they tried to, some military things and they did that. So imagine that kind of mental mindset with a tax collector, one who is really aligned with the Roman government and, and, and has his living off of collecting taxes for the Roman occupation. You have those two people who are sitting around the campfire or whatever with Jesus hearing this message and they're coming together because of it. Can you imagine the fights? Can you imagine the discussions that they're having about, well, what does he mean by that? And the zealots saying, man, it means we got to take out Caesar. And maybe the tax collector says, well, you know, we just got to go along to get along. But we got to figure out how to help people in the midst of that. I'm putting words in their mouth. But, but just imagine the conversations that, and they're all seeking to follow Jesus, this group of misfits, this group of people who are yearning for something new and different. The fishermen walked away from their livelihoods to follow him. They moved away from that family expectation in order to follow this radical, seemingly, rabbi who was teaching something maybe not new, 
but something that was capturing them and drawing them in together. And what did this group of misfits do? Well, when Jesus was crucified, what did they do? Anybody know what happens when they crucified? They, yeah, they, mount, they mounted a, a write-in campaign um, and said, yeah, we got to change the world, right? That's what they did the day Jesus was crucified? No, what'd they do? They ran away. The men ran away. Let's make it clear. Okay, the men ran away. The women who were following Jesus, they, they hung in there. They were at the cross. They, they saw all of that. But these disciples, these group of misfits, they ran away. But something happened when he was resurrected. This group of misfits came back together and they, they, began, they began to live out not a theology necessarily. They, weren't, they didn't go and start writing down what Jesus said and handing out pamphlets because, of course, they couldn't have done that then. They'd had to write it on parchment and it would have taken a long time. But they, they began to live differently. They began to talk to people about Jesus. They began to say, God says, come. God says, come join with us. They began to see the needs in their community, hearing the cries of the people who were left behind. And they said to them, God says, come. Let us work together in an interdependent way to help make your life better so that you also can hear the good news and the gospel of God in a new way that changes your life. And so today, we are called to this community. We're not called to an echo chamber. We're called to community where we can have those various ideas around the tables, but we follow one Lord where we seek understanding and compassion and communication with each other in a way that draws us all together in a better way. But as we have needs, as we have needs, we cannot pretend that the community has to take care of us. We create an interdependent community where the community is dependent upon God but each of us are interdependent on one another. What do I mean by that? Have you ever had this conversation with someone that you love, that you care about? I can't read your mind. Ever had that conversation? Never. Yeah, never. Especially not with a loved one. Yeah, can't read your mind. We often think that those closest to us can intuit what our needs are. Not helpful. It creates animosity. It creates anger. It creates resentment. As we misfits are are learning about God and becoming full of faith in God, we have got to have some confidence that in our times of need, we don't have to go it alone. Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm just fine. I'll make it through. Just going to stiff up her lip and all that. Baloney. We're, a, we're best as a community when we come to each other and we say, I really need this. I'm hurting or I'm suffering or I'm just going through a difficult time. Would it be possible for you to come and sit with my children 
So I could just take a half an hour break or an afternoon break. Would it be possible for you to, to maybe make a meal for my family? Because we're going through this difficult time. And I, we'd love to sit down around the table, but I just don't have the energy to make a meal. And then also to avail ourselves of folks, to be, to be, to be looking for those needs, yes, but not encouraging people to, in some sort of passive-aggressive way, just expect that we're going to intuit what they need. And if we don't intuit what they need, then they withdraw from the community even more. It happens all the time. And it breaks my heart. Because we are called to be an interdependent community, not dependent on the pastor or the church staff to know what the needs of everybody is, but where everybody in the community is reaching out to each other, helping to hold each other up and encouraging and challenging people to step up. We are called to be proactive to reach out to each other, to build that independent community that is dependent on God but interdependent upon one another. Misfits seek community, not security. It is risky to ask someone for what you want and need. I try to teach this to couples as they come for premarital counseling, to try to teach them how to ask for what they want and what they need, and they have a really hard time with it because what they'd rather say is, you didn't take out the trash. When what they need to say is, I would really like it if you would take out the trash. That would be really helpful to me. It seems silly, but it's just, just that wording. All of a sudden you're like, oh, of course I want to do that for you. Of course I want to do that for you. I want to make your life better. I want to make your life easier. We seek community, not security. And the gifts of misfits is the gifts of community. And so in this community, this summer, over the next quarter, I'm challenging you to look around the room, to look around the people that you know that are part of this community, whether they're new visitors with us, whether they've just been coming for a while, whether they've been here for you know, their whole lives, whether they've been here for 40 years, whatever it is, whether they're in leadership or not, whether they're young or old, whatever, look around the room and I'm going to challenge you once a month for the next three months, make a coffee date with somebody. Make a lunch date with somebody. Go to a happy hour, have some wings with somebody. And make it somebody that maybe you, you, you know, you don't really, you don't know that well. Again, like we do with two minutes to talk. But just, I mean, it's, it's not all afternoon. It's not three hours. It's not, a, it's not a four-course meal. It's just, let's get together. Let's just talk. Let's get to know each other a little bit better. I'm challenging us to do that over the next three months. One time a month to reach out to somebody. To say how much it matters that you get to see them on a Sunday morning, that you get to care for them, that you can be in relationship with them. And maybe if you're brave, you can even pray together. I'm not saying you have to, just saying, you know, maybe, maybe get a little brave. Even if it's just thank you, God, for us being here together. Amen. All right? That's good. That's an easy one. All right? I'm challenging us to do that, to, 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 be, to become a community where we ask for what we want and need, 
where we seek to, to know each other. We're not going to know everybody's intimate life. That's not the point. The point is to be able to create an interdependent community of misfits that is seeking to serve God, to, to bless this community, but to bless the community and to bless the world with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus Christ, because we need it more than ever, because we know that where Jesus shows up, where the Spirit shows up, where God shows up, love shows up and creates a community of love.